Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. So the question, how can trusts meet the financial challenges ahead? There's a very simple answer to this, I think. And that is to provide high-quality, safe services in a very efficient way in response to your commissioner's requirements and working with really strong, mature relationship with partners in the system and particularly with the commissioning bodies who contract with you for the care that you provide. And it's very glib to describe the situation in such a a high level over simplistic way, but we mustn't lose sight of the core purpose that we're trying to deliver in addressing some of the financial challenges that we face. And I think that if I reflect on where we are right now, I think it, it is quite remarkable, well into the third year of a very difficult financial and economic times, that the service continues to deliver the things that it delivers within the resources available to it. I think that the continued improvements in services for patients over the recent period of tighter financial <coughs> allocations, whilst overall uh, managing the money under Richard Douglas's overall uh, stewardship has got the service into a, a better place than we might have expected when we were doing that work in spring 2009, thinking about the significant quick challenge ahead. Having said that, there are a number of organisations now facing really significant financial <coughs> pressures. And it's very difficult to generalise either causes of that and therefore to come up with more generic solutions to it. But I'll highlight a number of different situations that I think inform us about how we need to address these issues in the future. At the moment, as, the, as we reported through the NHS TDA, we account for the, an oversee 99 NHS trusts. Over 60 of them are acute trusts, and half of those acute trusts are reporting quite significant financial problems at the halfway point of the current year. Now, one of the uh, factors this year, of course, is that we have a new system, uh, new commissioning structures that inevitably take some time to settle down. Inevitably, new relationships need to be formed and understandings developed. And that's taking some time. It's perhaps taking more time than would be ideal in some instances. But a consequence of that this year is that the financial flows through the system have become less predictable. And a key factor, you know, all the rules payment by results, of contracting penalties, of sequin and incentives, and all of those things, important part of the package of financial flows, but we need a predictability. We need to know that when these events happen, this is the consequence on the financial flows, either in a positive or in a negative way. And we've simply had too much uncertainty in the first half of the year as commissioners get to grips with their new responsibilities and their 
budgets. And I think almost inevitably in that situation there's a, a risk aversion in the commissioning system, which again it's an overgeneralisation, but I observe of new bodies for the first time running budgets being reluctant to overcommit too soon. As a result of that, the income flows for lots of the NHS trusts are less than expected and less than the actual that they saw in the equivalent period last year. Now we would expect some of that because of the deflation in the tariff, the cash back element of the tariff that goes from uh, providers back to commissioners. But it's been more than that. And I wait to see the extent to which some of that levels off in the second half of the year. My point is that I receive the information about the financial problems, the 31 deficit trusts that we have, and I'm pausing in the response to that because clearly that situation is unsustainable going forward. We simply can't go into next year with that number of organisations in deficit because the spiral effect of that draws others into problems that both the commissioners and neighbouring trusts and so on. So we simply have to deal with that. But we don't want to rush and deal with it in a way to then find there's an, there's an unpredicted income flow when the system settles down that means we didn't need to do that in the first place. So I'm really struggling with... with uh, this isn't intended to be therapy, Chris, I know, but I'll <laughs> take an extra few minutes. So we're struggling with making those important calls about addressing the necessary and decisive action in problems and waiting for the system to settle down. Having said that, there are undoubtedly a number of those trusts, uh, more than we've seen before, who, even when income levels out, are going to find themselves with committed levels of expenditure greater than the income available to them. And when we do that, we need to get behind that issue and also prepare and plan for a solution in the context of what we're going into. Simply getting back your expenditure to where your income is now isn't a sustainable solution because we know that um, when we get into... 15, 16 and into the next spending review period, there's a significant change in the financial environment in which we operate as the integration fund comes into being. And that will reduce the ex many of the existing income flows into trust. Now, my belief is that the system will not be able to deal with that through simply a reduction in price by loading greater efficiency gains onto providers. I think that the level of efficiencies that we're asking to stand still, all else being equal, is a real challenge. And more and more trusts are playing catch-up. By that I mean going into a new year with still a sum of last year's savings to make. So we need, we need to continue to drive efficiency and productivity, but that in itself won't be enough. And therefore, a further depression on price will not be manageable. And therefore, the reduction in income flows that we will see will need to be dealt with by reductions in volumes. By, as we've talked about for a long time, uh, new models of care away from the more expensive acute infrastructure. And the point that Candice made before is that's all very well for the commissioner to take the money out and to spend it on, 
alternative closer to home services, the Commissioner's job's done. The real challenge and the difference between success or failure for the system in that situation is for us to take costs out of the acute sector behind it. And that's, a ch that's uh, an area in which we haven't got a long and uh, impressive history in doing that. Indeed, we can compound the problem by leaving that capacity in place and it simply inflates the system and gets filled up by more patients who nobody can afford to pay for. So we must, we must deliver on taking out the capacity to reflect the reduced income flows. Now, what's the cause of, the, what's the cause of some of these problems? Well, on the one hand, uh, some organisations are too inefficient. The solution to that, whether it, whether it can be through new management arrangement, which may even extend into franchise Hinchingbrook uh, type arrangements, if we think that we can look at an entity and see that it can be run better, yes it needs to connect with partners but it needs to be run better, then the solution is to try and find the better people to run it. If we look at an organisation and however we add it up, however we add it up and looking in the context of where the commissioners are and their financial position and um, the bigger health economy that this organisation is operating in and we can't see a way of doing that, then we need a different solution to the problem. Simply changing the management, driving for more and more efficiency won't do, won't do. And in some ways this is where we got to with the South London case. It was recognised in triggering administration at South London. We recognised that the organisation, as configured with its sites and services and the statutory boundary, just simply would not be able to recover. That was the judgment we made, and therefore it needed a more radical change in the way that services were organised, in a way that could be clinically sustainable, and then to fit an organisational financial solution behind it. And I think that that where that's the problem, we shouldn't shy away from the more significant need for service change. I, I happen to think that the administration regime cuts through that in a very decisive way. It's not the right solution for, for, for everywhere. It's not the right solution for many places, I guess. But it is a way that you can cut through that and begin to identify the right services delivered by in a sustainable way in a by new organisations in this case, in a more sustainable form going forward. However much we changed the leadership of South London Trust, we would never have got back to where we needed to get to, was the judgement that was made. So, yes, part of the solutions in some places is sharpening the pencils, better leadership, uh, productivity. Candice's point about clinical engagement and leadership is absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. Uh, two common features I see in financially struggling organisations that we wouldn't expect to struggle. One, lack of strategic direction going forward that people buy into. And two, a disengagement of the clinical leaders in the organisation, a lack of awareness, ownership, buy into the problems that we are trying to solve. And I think as I look forward that not only does the change in financial position for the next spending review make things harder, I do think we are, for all the right reasons, raising the bar on quality. Um, the Keogh inspections have shown that. Sir Mike's uh, inspection regime, which he's now started, will build further. This is the right thing to do for patients. It's absolutely the right thing 
to do. But if we look at, at the uh, action plans of the Keogh Trust, certainly I can speak for the five NHS trusts in special measures, implementing the recommendations for each of them means more nurses and more doctors. And rate, as we look more broadly and more deeply at quality than we've looked at before, we need to recognise that in some places we're going to need to invest more in services to get them to the standards that we're identifying and now judging as good and then onto onto outstanding. Won't be the case everywhere and simply putting more money in isn't the sole solution. But let's not naively think that simply changing leaders or changing uh, negotiations with commissioners is going to solve these problems. It isn't. In some cases there will need to be that investment. And simply investing more in some places means that we'll inevitably have to invest less in others. So I am optimistic about the, the challenge, genuinely optimistic about the challenge going forward and facing these things. But the scale of change that we will need to deliver to achieve that means that halfway through the next spending review period, I think that the acute sector will look significantly different than it looks today.